Welcome to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Happy New Year. Happy, happy, happy New Year. I'm back. As you can hear in my voice, I still have a bit of remnant of this um, health challenge. I'll just call it that, that I've been in since, uh, really since New Year's Eve or so. And, um, but it's almost gone and my voice is almost back. And I'm grateful to be back with you and that we're transcending time and space together in order to truly live A Course in Miracles and truly walk our talk. So we're at the beginning of a new year. And for many of us, it feels like a fresh slate. I know it does for me. This is an extraordinary time. And I am eager to to share and to... Uh, talk about our topic today, which is New Year's intentions, looking at New Year's resolutions, New Year's intentions, and our relationship to A Course in Miracles this year. So let's begin with a prayer. I invite you to place your hand on your heart and to take a deep breath of love, gratitude. Let us anchor ourselves in love and gratitude right now. Consciously invoking into our awareness the Holy Spirit, the higher self, the holy self, the I am presence, and remembering I am that I am. I am that I am. And that we are not separate from God, we are unified with God now and forever. And it is our holy intention to release any sense of separation to embrace our brothers and sisters as one with us, to embrace ourselves as one with God. And that we are magnificent creatures born to love, to love and be loved. And this is our divine destiny. And we are consciously on this path of awakening, remembering, reconstituting ourselves Remembering ourselves as the divine beings that we are. Coming back to ourselves, coming home. This is the atonement. So we are grateful and thankful to share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. We dedicate this time together right now to our healing and the benefit that it brings to all. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, 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 yes. So, what I've been thinking about is, now see see if you can catch this. This is, I, I think, extremely powerful. Course in Miracles is a rigorous course. Anyone who has studied it, studied the workbook, knows that. Anyone who has studied the text 
and materials about A Course in Miracles knows that it is designed as a holographic teaching. And if you understand any part of it, you understand the whole of it. So it's very simple, really. There is no separation. All is one. That That is the basic teaching. That's it right there. Now, we think that we understand that. We hear all is one, and maybe you think, I know that. And by the way, whenever you think, I know that, it's generally a block to learning. <laughs> it's pure ego. So I've, I've learned when I hear that thought in my head, I think, oh, okay, I've identified with the ego. I've slipped into ego identification, and I consciously remember my divinity. The I am presence. So, in working with the workbook and the text and the teacher's manual of A Course in Miracles, what I have discovered is that there was a period where I was actually doing that work, working the workbook studying the text and the teacher's manual, and it was all from ego. The ego mind wanted to understand it. The ego was driving my spiritual practice, letting me know when I was good, letting me know when I was bad, letting me know when I was right, letting me know when I was wrong, constantly monitoring me. And the drive to satisfy the ego is what drove me to complete the workbook. And so in doing so, I was actually strengthening the ego mind, not even realizing it, having no clue that I was actually making life harder for myself through that pursuit of accomplishment. So I'm inviting you, as many people are reaffirming their commitment to study the course at this time of year and their commitment to begin studying the course, you must look at What is driving that? You have to look at that, unless you don't mind strengthening the ego. But, of course, that's not the objective. The objective is to reduce the ego identification, not to strengthen it. So many, many spiritual seekers are the type of personality who always want to be called good. So we do so much because we want to be called good. And very often we find that we're secretly rebelling. So that's why there's there's a whole group of spiritual seekers, and I used to be one of them. And so I'm very familiar with this, where the, the spiritual seeker is, in a sense, good by day, bad by night. 
So, you know, to all the community, you look like you're the perfect little spiritual seeker and you're doing everything right. Oh, what a good person you are. But then on your own, secretly, you're doing things that you think are bad and that you think are wrong. Self-sabotage, self-medication, secret smokers and drinkers and uh, internet porn and all the different things that people do secretly and shamefully. And so you can see how, seriously, if you've got that secret stuff going on, it doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. None of that is true. What it does mean is that you are probably strengthening the ego through the way that you are approaching your spiritual practice. And it's very easy to do with A Course in Miracles because there's this whole thing of, can you get through the whole thing in a year? How long does it take you? So many people tell me with a sense of shame that they're still working the workbook after two or three years. Or they never got through it and they feel ashamed. They feel like they've failed. What, what is that but ego? That is pure 100% ego. So again, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's the, those feelings of shame. Those feelings of driving yourself to accomplish the workbook so that you can say that you did it, so that you can go to your study group and say that you did it. Or if you wear your accomplishment with A Course in Miracles like a badge and you have to tell everybody how, how what you've done and how good you are, then you are totally identified with the ego and that's your wake-up call. That's your wake-up call. That's where your spiritual practice can truly begin. And so for me, the main thing is to find one, since it's a holographic teaching, find one part of the teaching that you will really live in your heart with a deep and abiding commitment. And every time you fall off the wagon, so to speak, you get right back on. And so for me, that lesson is 68. Love holds no grievances. Love holds no grievances. It is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. So I hold no grievances against myself. It doesn't mean that I might not be upset that I have fallen off the wagon, that I have let myself down, that I willfully chose to strengthen the ego. These things are upsetting. We should be upset by them. It's distressing to recognize how weak we can be that we say one thing and do another again and again and again. This is distressing. And we must love ourselves. We must love ourselves enough to require that we keep our commitments. So 
it's in a certain sense we're reparenting ourselves. A loving parent will hold the child to their commitments and teach them about commitment. But you see, now, now, Course in Miracles, there are people that believe that if they study the Course every day and they work that workbook and they stop and they contemplate and they do all that and the rest of the day, They are mean, angry people, resentful people, self-sabotaging, self-medicating people. Their mind can tell them that they are a good Course of Miracles student and they are doing everything that they need to do. But they don't live from love. Love is absent in their heart. They don't even consider it. I've had people write to me and say, I have been studying the Course for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And it never occurred to me to live from love. They were so occupied with studying the Course and understanding it, reading everything ever written about it, you know, little Ken Wapnick clones, so that they can say, you know, this is what this means and this is what this means. And they can quote it verbatim backwards and forwards. But in their heart... There's no love. There's no compassion. There's a sense of strengthening the ego mind to such a sense that it's like a a Nazi presiding over your life. So I'm just inviting you to look at any place in your life where this is how your spiritual practice is. Now, in uh, this New Year's time, of course, there's been all the usual blah-de-blah about making resolutions. I don't make resolutions because that feels like pure ego to me. To me, rather than make a resolution, I'll make a decision. I'll make a decision. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I am going to do this from now on. I'm going to exercise three times a week. Whatever that is, I don't need to make a resolution. I don't need to resolve to do it. That feels like pure ego. But I do need to decide and hold myself to it like a loving parent would. And that's how I operate. Now, I love setting intentions. I love setting intentions. And uh, just a word about intention. So an intention to me is different than a resolution. Because an intention, what the way I teach it, and by the way, if you would like support with your New Year's intentions and kicking your New Year's off right, I have a, a two-part New Year's intention class, and uh, you can participate in that at jenniferhadley.com, jenniferhadley.com. In fact, we have our... Um, Two parts, you get the audio downloads and the transcripts. So you can participate live in that class and then have your downloads and transcripts to study uh, because it's really, really a powerful teaching about intention that you can use in any area of your life at any time in your life. Very, very helpful. And uh, what I know is my Masterful Living students year after year, I have a year-long course called Masterful Living course 2012 
is this year's, and um, we we use intention very strongly in that class, and people use it to change their lives. So what I teach about intention, and I wrote about this in my blog today too, today, uh, the day of the recording, which is, I believe, January 10th is today. <laughs> and I believe that the most powerful intentions are not about doing something, but about being something, you see, because our whole life is our spiritual practice. That's what we're doing when we're walking the talk. We're making our entire life our spiritual practice, leaving nothing out so that our spiritual practice is what we lead with. It's our fallback. It's everything. Every conversation, every email, every interaction, everything is contained in our spiritual practice. We don't want to separate ourselves or our life from our spiritual practice. That leads to such inconsistency. And it also leads to all kinds of permission. We give ourselves permission to fall out of our spiritual practice. So I believe it's so important to stay in that spiritual practice every minute of every day. So that is a powerful intention right there. To be a living spiritual practice in every moment, in every conversation, in every interaction that we have. So in the, we're, we're coming up to a break here, and in our next segment, I'm going to go further into the intention process and how you can really transform your life this year by setting powerful intentions and sticking to them. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to Living a Course of Miracles, Walking the Talk on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. And so we're back. We're talking about intentions and New Year's intentions versus resolutions. And setting the intention to make our spiritual practice every minute of every day. And if we fall down, our spiritual practice is to get back up again with love, with compassion. So, here are some examples of New Year's intentions that are so profoundly powerful. When we set an intention for how we'd like to feel, for how we'd like to feel, and for me, it's always about affirming the spiritual qualities. So, spiritual qualities are peace, love, joy, clarity, wisdom, harmony, Prosperity, wholeness. So these spiritual qualities and more, constancy, abundance, these spiritual qualities are omnipresent, omnipotent, omniactive. They are truth. They are our true identity. They are our birthright. So as spiritual seekers... The highest aspiration that we can have is to fully embody 
our true nature to fully embody these spiritual qualities and to live them 24-7. If we set an intention to buy a house and we make that our focus, we may never feel peaceful. We may never feel wholehearted, abundant, prosperous, loving, compassionate, harmonious, wise. We may never discover our true identity. So our job as a spiritual seeker is to value our true identity, which is the radiance, the luminosity, the magnificence of these spiritual qualities. If you're not already embodying them all of the time, you can set the intention to do so. And working towards that is really seeking the kingdom and all else will be added unto you. All else will be added unto you. So we know that, but do we live that way? Are you actively seeking the kingdom? Are you actively seeking to discover peace as your life, wholeness as your life, true prosperity. Does prosperity mean to you a bunch of stuff? Because if you are trapped in the thought that prosperity equals stuff, you'll never discover true prosperity. And you'll always feel the lack. You will never feel true prosperity. So you see, setting the New Year's intention that this year you're going to Discover and embody your true identity, that you will know the peace that passeth human understanding. How would that translate to your entire life? Just think about that. Just think about that. Really feel what it would feel like to embody peace, to take peace with you. When you wake up in the morning, you bring it into every day. So you're peaceful all through your preparations for your day, your bathing, your morning meal, your morning practice, your sun salutations, your greeting the sun. That first tree you see, you feel peace. You feel the tree's peace. You feel your peace. There's a, a resonance there. You recognize yourself and your divinity in all life. And you know that one of the things you're going to get to do that day is be the peace and represent peace wherever you go in every activity. So you don't have to rush. You don't have to hurry. You don't have to worry because you're in peace. Would that not change every minute of every day? Would that not shift every relationship? If you're in peace, would you be trying to get things from the people you love? Would you be trying to manipulate or coerce them? Would you be judging them? Would you be playing games of hard to get or distance or confusion. No, you wouldn't because you'd be at peace. You would have the peace already. 
You wouldn't need to coerce or manipulate anyone to give you anything. You have it already. This is what I'm talking about with setting a New Year intention. To truly embody, even if you just pick one spiritual quality and you are going to make that the focus of your life this year. Now, as I I said in my blog today, I offer this New Year intention class every year. And uh, usually a whole bunch of people take it. And some people take what they get in the New Year's intention classes and they rock their year. They rock their year to the maximum rockability. And they bring forth those intentions and they transform their relationships and their relationship to their finances, to their health and well-being, to their career. Everything in their life transforms. I mean, literally, they're made new in such spectacular ways. Simply because they set an intention and they held it close all year long. Other people take the class, do the same work in the class, have major ahas and insights, and then they never work with it again the rest of the year. They forget about it. And haven't we all done that? Haven't we all taken a spiritual class or read a spiritual book and had some major ahas? Maybe we went to great lengths to take that class, to, to raise money to take that class or to, to find that book and to study with that teacher, whatever it is. But then the minute the class is over, it's forgotten. The minute the book is read, it goes on the shelf. The minute we write those things in the journal, they're forgotten. We don't keep them fresh before us. And so we may, may well as never have done it in the first place. Because we don't have the strength of any intention. We're just looky-loos. That's all we really are. It's time to end that behavior. That is spiritual immaturity. And we've all done it. We all know what it feels like. And in the pit of our stomach, isn't there a sense of guilt? I know I have felt that, that that I have done things that cost thousands of dollars that I never made use of and that I thought somehow would be the holy grail to me. But I never embodied it. I never worked with it. I never did my own work with it. So you see, and that's just like the Course in Miracles person who's studying and studying and studying the text, desperately trying to understand it, when all they need to know is love holds no grievances. Love holds no grievances. You make that your whole practice for this year. And I am telling you, you will know more about A Course in Miracles than somebody who has been studying it for 30 years. Because you'll be living it. If all you do is study it, it's dead. You see? Spirit is alive. Spirit is not in a book. So, am I saying don't study A Course in Miracles? No, no. Make it clear. It's 
from what point are you studying it? Why are you studying it? Are you reading and reading and reading things that you don't even... People say they've read the text and you ask them, just tell me one principle that you got from reading those 600 pages. And they look at like a deer in headlights. But they walk around wearing this badge. Oh, I read the entire text. But you see, it's meaningless. And that's ego. And that's ego. And we've all done these things, but it's time to stop doing them. It's time to make every minute count. That's what 2012 is about. It's about getting real and making every single minute count. They say for people who have um, had near-death experiences, they say that the most painful thing that they've ever experienced is if they've gone through a life review where they review every single choice that they made in their life. And they look at all the times when they could have chosen to do something meaningful. They could have chosen to make something out of their life, out of their relationship, out of their activities. They could have chosen to be loving and to be compassionate. And instead, they chose something meaningless or they chose something destructive. Something that moved them towards separation and strengthened the ego. So, in this light, I'm going to invite you to look at your practice of forgiveness. And is it an ego-driven practice? So, Course in Miracles is consistently inviting us to forgive, to hold no grievances, to judge not. And this, of course, is the hardest thing that we can do is to hold no grievances, to be truly, deeply loving and compassionate, authentically. Now, very often, Course in Miracles students will train themselves to forgive, 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 but it's a mental exercise. They're saying, oh, I have to forgive that, I have to forgive that. But they still feel upset about it. There's still some judgment in there, some hurt some resentment, some regret, some guilt, some blame, some shame that's unresolved. And they try and muscle through it. That is ego. That is strengthening the ego. You cannot muscle through your spiritual awakening. (laughs) At the same time, it does require tremendous resolve. So this is what makes it hard. This is what makes it confusing. So this is why we must become able to discern in each and every moment, are we choosing ego? Are we choosing the spirit? So if we're finding it difficult to forgive, or we're priding ourselves in our ability to forgive, we need to look at what is happening with the ego. When it's difficult to forgive, we must go into our heart. That's why I teach this practice of putting our hand on our heart and breathing deeply. That connects us to our heart center, connects us to the center of love and living from love, being compassionate, 
And we can start to make an inquiry from this space. What is so upsetting about this to me? What is the judgment that I am holding here? Where do I need to feel right? Why do I need the validation of being right? Why does this hurt so much? And to make a spiritual inquiry. And we make that spiritual inquiry because we're not interested in energizing the ego anymore. And we're not interested in being on the hamster wheel anymore. One of the things I've been teaching for years is something that worked for me where I say I'm not interested in that anymore. But I realized that someone could strengthen their ego saying I'm not interested in that anymore. So I've taught I'm not interested in that anymore. What I am interested in is love and light. And what I teach is that our feelings, our emotions, our feelings, our gut feelings, our intuitive feelings, and our emotions help us discover what's really going on. So we need to be thankful for our feelings and our emotions And we need to look at them like signposts. What are these feelings telling me? What can I learn here? What is there for me to know about myself here? Why is this so upsetting to me? We need to understand these things. Not in order to build a case for why we're right and why they're wrong or why we're so wrong and so bad. Not to build a case, not to gather evidence, but to be like a miner finding our way out of a cave. We're mining a heart of gold and that heart of gold is in our heart. And we can find it. It's ours to discover. There's not a single one of us that does not have that heart of gold. So we must value that. That is the intention that we're setting this year. To do everything we can to value our loving heart and to make loving choices. The person who understands A Course in Miracles best is not the one who's going to reach the atonement. The person who is the most loving and compassionate and least identified with the ego can see and know only the unity of all life and the preciousness of our human life, the preciousness of each day, each interaction, each human connection. That is the person who's going to reach the atonement. That is the person who's going to enlighten. Don't miss your enlightenment studying the Course to feed the ego and feel better about yourself. No matter how much you feed the ego, it will never let you feel good about yourself. The only way to feel good about yourself is to know your true identity and to live that, to value that, to aspire to represent God in every moment of your day. And you can do it. 
We're doing it together. That's what this radio show is all about. That's what my life is about. If you'd like more help, go to jenniferhadley.com. Right now, you're listening to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk on Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed and there's no other door in sight? In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that Everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. You've been listening to Living a Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. If you have a question or comment about today's program, or if you'd like to join in the discussion, visit us on Facebook at A Course in Miracles Pledge, where you can join with the community of like-minded people who have pledged to live A Course in Miracles every day, in every way. Now, back to Living A Course in Miracles, Walking the Talk. So I mentioned earlier that uh, I have 
a year-long course that I offer called Masterful Living 2012. And I started offering that course in 2009. It's a, it's a weekly course. We meet on the phone. And uh, if you can't attend the class, you get the downloads, you get the transcripts. And what it does is it assists people in staying focused and walking the talk. Now, obviously, no one needs my help to do that. And when I first got the inspiration to offer the course, it felt like it was a big responsibility. And I had to really consider, did I want to be responsible as a guide to hold this container, if you will, for folks for an entire year and show up in class for an entire year. And it's honestly been one of the greatest things I've done because it's also deepened my spiritual practice. And a few years before I started offering Masterful Living, so back in the middle of the last decade, I set the intention to hold no grievances. Love holds no grievances. So I'm interested in fully identifying with love, with my loving self, with my my true nature. And so, therefore, I can hold no grievances unless I wish to block my true nature. And basically, you can't ride the fence on this one. Either you don't want to hold any grievances and you're committed to that, or you allow yourself to hold grievances and you have no commitment. (laughs) There's just no middle ground. You're either interested in remembering your true identity, waking up, and attaining enlightenment, or you like this world and you want to stay walking around in it uh, for ever. <laughs> so you get to decide. The only way out, really, is to hold no grievances. Fundamentally, that is a fact. You are not going to be able to hold on to grievances and enlighten. So one of the ways that I think about it is just from a a visual point of view, you can imagine that every single grievance that you hold tethers you to a life of suffering. It tethers you. If you think of yourself as pure light and love, what could hold you in this world except your grievances? They are a weight upon your soul. So, In Lesson 68, it says, Perhaps you do not yet fully realize just what holding grievances does to your mind. It seems to split you off from your source and make you unlike God. It makes you believe that God is like what you think you have become. For no one can conceive of his creator as unlike himself. So, as long as you hold one grievance and you cherish it, You will never know God. Not fully. You won't. That's the cost. So here at the beginning of the year, we we have a lot of impetus to change our mind, to do things differently, to start afresh with a clean slate. And this is why I'm inviting you to decide to hold no grievances. Remember, it is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are, you are divine love and light, as it is certain that those who forgive will remember No one can do this for you. No one can do this for you. And it says, and I love this so much, it's simply a matter of motivation. If you succeed, 
even by ever so little, there will never be a problem in motivation ever again. When you begin to truly let go of the grievances and live a loving life, it's like a snowball rolling downhill. You become so motivated by the love, by discovering your true identity, by the freedom and the peace and the harmony and the insight and the intuition and the clarity and all that mystical seeking that you have been seeking, it finds you because it's always been there underneath your grievances. That which you are seeking is already there under the grievances. You are the one who decides whether or not to cherish the grievances. So let us begin today to simply live in our heart and remember that our true nature is love and love holds no grievances. It cannot. It will not. So we become committed to choosing to energize love in every moment, releasing the attachments of the grievances, not in an ego way, but truly from our heart, discovering that actually this holds no value for me. What holds a value is not the grievance, but my connection with love, my connection with God, my divinity, and nurturing my divinity. So I'm inviting you to have a new approach to the Course this year, to truly live it, and to look at any place in the past where you have had an ego relationship with A Course in Miracles. You must decide to do it differently. Now, an important aspect of this is in the forgiveness. If we forgive, but it's really not from our heart, it's a mental exercise. It's probably an ego exercise. True forgiveness is recognizing that every experience is our teacher. And we can harvest the wisdom that our teacher is offering us. Or we can make some mental gymnastics about it and say that we forgive while holding on to the grievance. How many times have we all done that? We say we forgive, but we hold on to the grievance. You may not know how to release that grievance, but there is that within you which does. And this spiritual journey, this spiritual awakening, is about getting in touch with that within you which knows how. That is the kingdom which is pre-installed, awaiting your decision to seek it. So, is this easy? It's not. It's not easy. It's much easier to just sit and study the book and memorize the book. That is so much easier. It is so much easier to judge everybody uh, who's the spiritual one, who's the non-spiritual one, who's the good one, who's the bad one. Oh, that's much easier. That is much easier. 
But to do this deep work of looking within and finding the love in your heart, finding that heart of gold, it's much more challenging. However, for every step you take in the direction of love, God will take a million steps with you. You are profoundly supported in loving. And that's why the loving choice feels like home. And the ego choice is going to feel more and more excruciating. So any place where you're suffering in your life, you're identified with the ego. Love is the healer. Love is the healer. If you are suffering in any area of your life, like let's say you're suffering in your finances, start to look at the grievances that you hold about your finances. Are you saying, oh, they don't pay me enough, and that's why I have a problem? But if you're not fully embodying the work opportunity that you have and giving 110% and being a, a boundless, loving, compassionate person in your workplace, then you're not fully taking... Uh, the opportunity that you have. So why would anybody pay you more? You wouldn't be worth it. Give 110%. You can't outgive God. Give. Give from the well of love that is in your being to share from. This is the intention that we're setting this year, to be our true selves, to be the perfect givers and receivers of love that we were born to be, and to cut out all the nonsense, to stop energizing the ego with our spiritual practice, and to love, simply to love, so that truth is the master of our life, and true reality governs every thought. We live in the heart. I invite you to become my prayer partner. I have a daily prayer that I offer and a daily blog, and you can find that at jenniferhadley.com. There's also a lot of free stuff there, including um, uh, I have a podcast at iTunes called Masterful Living Through A Course in Miracles, totally free. Um, There's at least 100 hours there. You can download that. Lots of good stuff for you. I believe in giving away the free stuff. So check out jenniferhadley.com if you will. And it's time for us to pray out. Let's place our hand on our heart and give thanks right now. That our true nature is love. We know it. And we can show it. In gratitude we share the benefits with everyone. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love you. Have a great week.